HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, Life's a Banquet. The show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara. Horrible! Starring your hosts, me, Brenton Scott, and me, Zara Tangora. A show about chocolate and wine and bread, champagne and scandal and crackers in bed. I'm drunk! <laughs> Always. Life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet! One another? Consider it done. Ba-da-da-dum-dum-ching! Welcome, everybody, to the show, Life's a Banquet, the show that's exploring the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and Breton. Pourable, because that was my unlimited... Uh, mimosa. With your host, Zara Tangora and... Breton Scott. Ho! Breton, what's going on? Mm. Look at this. I'm this wasted. place is bustling. Everyone's sitting here eating brunch. Uh, folks, it is a sunny day here in New York City. Uh, it is just gorgeous out. Uh, you can feel springs in the air. Yep. Uh, people are starting to... What? Very much in the air. The air is everywhere. It's the windiest day of the entire yeah, you're time right. I've I been alive. Okay, it has nothing to do with spring at all. <laughs> but the sun does feel stronger. That's true. It, it felt stronger, but it is a windy, windy day. Last night, the wind was howling like a banshee at my window. It was going... Well, yes, I... Let me into your home! Oh gosh, what what is going on this week? I feel, I feel like I'm about to have a meltdown. Okay, what's been going on? What have you been doing? What have you been cooking? Lay well, it on Well, you us. know, Zara, that is really funny that you said what you've been cooking because I made yet another batch of meatballs. Oh, okay. really? Yeah, so now listen. What's your For, little twist? I, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I withheld my twist last night. Uh-huh. Uh, because, so for those of you that are just tuning in, Zara is a fabulous chef, and, well, so am I. <laughs> uh, there we go. Cheers, I said it. Cheers There to we go. The, the information is public. Uh, and, <laughs> no, listen, Zara is a master, a meatball master. I've mentioned this, I think, weekly, mm-hmm. so you should be, uh, 
you know, regular listeners, you'll definitely know this. But Zara's a, a meatball master. Peter. And, there you go. <laughs> That's for the other podcast. So, uh, anyway, I, I also make a pretty good meatball, but, you know, sometimes it's all about technique. Mm-hmm. Moisture content. You know, and there's, a, there's a, of course, there's a, a meatball for every personality, is there not? Oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, your dad likes rabbit. Your mom likes portobello mushroom. <laughs> exactly. Your little sister likes chicken. Somebody likes tofu, vegan, yeah. uh, textured Spicy vegetable protein. Thai. TV TVP meatballs. Yeah. Did you, did you ever make those? Uh, only when I hiked the Oregon Trail. Uh, yes, back in, <laughs> back in the 1600s or whenever the <laughs> hell that was. I didn't go to history class. So I made some meatballs. Pretty darn tasty. You know, my mom, was uh, she was known for her spaghetti and meatballs, and she did not uh, to- toast. She didn't, um, what do you call it, cook her meatballs ahead of time. She in a pan. Yeah, she didn't give them like a sear. I don't either. Yeah, you know, you don't either. I did last night. And? Well, it's just different. You know, I well, don't. You get I, a crust. You get a crust. I don't know. A lot of people are like, "Oh, you gotta have the crust," but I, I don't think so. Screw those people. Yeah, well, those anyway. people are wrong. Listen, it can add a little bit of te- uh, flavor to your sauce, but I'm gonna give you a little piece of advice here. <laughs> Did you hear you, that, folks? A little flavor to your sauce. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't want that? But if you put, oh my goodness, there are two parrots up there mm-hmm. here at the Heritage Radio Network Studios. Stuffed parrots from Roberta's. Um, okay, so anyway, if you put your meatballs on a sheet tray and put them on the bottom rack of your oven and turn the heat up to about 400 degrees, you can still get a crust, and you don't have to smoke up your entire apartment. Exactly. Have tiny bits of meatball ripping out from everywhere i don't think it's practical but listen my mo is honestly Mm -hmm. to take a lot of shortcuts because i think there's a lot of different ways to get to the exact same place so says robinson crusoe and there's also a lot of other things to do besides searing your meatballs all morning time to sit home over a greasy pan of meatballs grease splashing into your face and eyebrow hair not i yeah not i well i did put it on the bottom rack okay we are going into a meatball this is not a meatball yeah yeah, this is not a meatball show but uh it could be so i made some meatballs i made leftover you know what what kind of meat uh just beef all okay you know uh, it's kosher this week okay is that is that what that is yeah yes kosher um so also i made you know in this week of clean out your freezer i pulled out the panettone that i never ate during christmas oh i know you all got one in there that's chuffed and (laughs) or you're just like or it's still sitting there yeah and it's still miraculously moist yeah i don't like what is that what's a panettone no thanks panettone i'm not with you i I made a bread pudding i just chopped it up toasted it added a bunch of eggs and sugar and milk i was like you know what the only thing you can do with it and orange zest, and it was really delicious. Oh, but I, you, yeah, it was yeah. very good. I have an issue with bread pudding because I feel like I don't want to just have a bunch of bread for dessert. I'm really a, clearly on one today. There are some things I feel positive about, but panettone and griddled meatballs aren't two of them. What? <laughs> well, let's see. What else have I cleaned my fridge for? Okay, here's the cat's out of the bag, everybody. Mm. I go through phases, and Zara knows that I have my refrigerator. I have lots of half-finished projects, and some started, and pickles, and, oh, I'll save that pickle brine from 2017, (laughs) because I think it'll be (laughs) aged better. And so finally, yesterday, I was like, enough is enough. I said, you know, I could feel the spring coming, and I took everything out. I was like, if you just start taking everything out and putting it in your counter, you'll be forced to face the gruesomeness. And I bleached, and I scrubbed, and I disassembled and I took shelves out and I wiped and I cleaned and I was and I pulled out things that I didn't know that I had body parts 
body parts. Severed butt yeah, cheeks yeah. from a <laughs> night gone wrong. That's right. Chicken fallopian tubes. Didn't need. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst thing I can think of eating is a chicken's fallopian tubes. So that's why. That was why I was. I kind of had a little bit of a leftover day. And, Got it. But yeah. Whew, what wow. about you? Well, well, I'm exhausted. You know, I made a lime coconut and cake which was delicious with some grapefruit in it, which turned very bitter in the cake, but in a positive way. And People I, like, that's a thing. Now. It was delicious. I really liked Grapefruit it. Grapefruit cake is all over the internet. And aside from that, I, uh, this morning I was on the train and this very tall gentleman, mm. really straight laced with a child, seems as though he has lived in New York for quite enough time. It was a very packed train. Normally I'm not on the train quite so early in the morning. That's right. Um, I'm trying not to complain. This is kind of a complaint, but please Go see me through the entire story. And it has nothing to do with food yet. Um, so anyway, he's standing there and he's not holding on to anything. He's squished in the middle of the train. He's in one of those places where the only thing you can do is hold on to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. But he was very tall. So we could have definitely held on to the ceiling. So anytime we'd make any movement, he'd crash into me. Just yes. smash like a, a boulder rolling down a hill right into my body. And so this happened several times. And I was like, okay, you know, like, who cares? I don't really get very annoyed about things like this. But yeah. it happened maybe. Who cares? It happened in between like five stops, maybe like, I don't know, 11 or 12 times. So finally, I yeah, was like, yeah, but after 10 times, you're like, I was like, okay. this can't be your plan, right? Your plan can't be that every time the thing stops, you mm-hmm. are not steadying yourself. You're just going to smash into me. So, my point here is with cooking is that I, I tried to relate around because I'm like, I really want to tell the story in the podcast, but if I don't com- relate it to cooking, it's just going to be a sh- like complaint. So, be freeform, be like sometimes in the middle of the train with nowhere to hold on, but also kind of have a plan. Because otherwise, you know what? That's a that's really good advice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's okay to be like you know off the rails and just whatever, but like you want to know what you're making or doing in some way. Mm-hmm. You want to be organized. You want to have it all together. Otherwise, you're just smashing to other people. And can I just add something to that? Yes, also, please. have an exit plan. So when the exactly. cake, you're like, okay, fine. If the cake doesn't turn out, if I do have to run out of the subway, go to the next car. Be exactly. Like, chop it up. Make it into a. <laughs> yeah. Put it into a spoon cake. So put some milk on it. Exactly. Make or a bread pudding. Leave it in the oven, burn down your apartment, leave your house, never go back, and move to another state. Whatever you want. The yeah. choice is yours. <laughs> Exit plan. Exit Doesn't plan. matter. Just have one. Yes. I was just like, I can't. Have you ever been out of the house before? I was so shocked. No, a lot of people have not been out of the house. You have to remember child. that in New York City that some people have been holed up for perhaps the entire winter. I was like, what are you teaching this kid? Wait, until, wait, until, kid? wait until spring when they really come out. I know. They. They, the crazed lunatics of the city, the shirtless people who wear no shirt on the first day. It's like 50 degrees. They. Season the, pushers. Yeah. Oh, we don't want to even get ourselves started <laughs> on season pushers. Um, that's a, what else? Drinking. Gosh, I had lots of... What were you drinking last night? You were out of Brooklyn Social, weren't oh, you? You little my, dirty stay out. Oh, my goodness. I had gin martinis, margaritas, Tom Collins, you Uh-oh. name it. Shots of tequila, <laughs> red wine, beer, everything. I, all of all of the beer. Goldschlager? All of the beer. <laughs> I still can't speak. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't matter. I forced myself. I made a... Gor- oh, lots of paninis. Oh, my God. I, Ooh, oh, the panini, panini maker. Panini pressing. I currently... I can't stop. Like, I, ha- I can't stop. Yeah. Two, three a day. What? Morning, night, breakfast, lunch, dinner, like, midday snack. Oh Bring one with God. me. Put it in a pocket. Like, mozzarella. <laughs> didn't like that one. Add pickles. Oops. Like, <laughs> can't stop. Oh, my God. What can't so, you put in a panini, huh? What can't you? You know what? I I had an extra eggplant. Sliced it up. Roasted it. Forgot on the oven. It got. It was sitting there for an hour, but it actually was really nice. Like, That's I turned right. the oven off. Okay. And then dried out. 
put that on my panini, added some cheese, made kind of like a pseudo eggplant parm sandwich. Oh my God, Breton. You just put it Breton's in. Breton's little twist, huh? Do you guys remember? Okay. Do you guys and girls and anyone else in between remember in the 1980s, 90s, or perhaps from an infomercial, the sandwich press? Oh yeah. Right? And you would put two pieces of bread in. And it was shaped like two little diamonds or something, whatever. It looked like a waffle press. And you would put the bread in, put whatever you wanted, and mm-hmm. it would form into two, well, it actually, total, yeah, a four pockets. So it made yeah. little pocket sandwiches that were kind of a precursor to the panini. Well, yes, paninis I, were already there, but you know what I'm saying. I had one that was Mickey-shaped. Mickey-shaped, and you would put it, and would you can, and of course, the infomercials would say, you can make peanut butter and jelly hot pockets. And then, of course, the peanut butter would come out, and you're like, like oh! a blazing lava hot squirt of peanut butter that ruins your life. You never have taste buds. You know, it's so interesting that you should say panini, because it kind of falls in that area of, do you eat it for, you were saying, breakfast, lunch. In between breakfast and lunch, there's just this interesting kind of mm. no man's land. You're starting, to, you're starting to stir up some uncomfortable memories in my restaurant slash cooking slash chef slash waiter slash bartender slash everything skin. Is there a shiver running up your spine right now? It's because we're talking about motherfucking brunch, people. The worst meal of the day. And you know what? Listen, for those of you that are listening, I get it. I was once a brunch hater, and it's also, it is glamorous. I know. Slap me right now. Well, the the ups and downs. It can be glamorous, and it can be complete trash. Okay. Depends what side of the line you're on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the one and only brunch episode uh, where Zara and I are going to discover and dig up some of our old pasts and, and conquer some issues right here in front of all of you in this live audience yeah. of, in the globe. We're going to laugh. actual globe. Yep. Cry, so uh, for those of you, a little history, um, I actually worked brunch for almost 20 years on and off. <laughs> you guys think about that. 20, my first brunch, I was... I was 50 because no, now no, you're 70. I, actually, no. You know what? Make that 23 years because I'm, I worked brunch, remember, last year. And therefore, I worked brunch for 23 years. That's My first crazy. brunch job was at 18. And it was just, it never got better. Never yeah. got better. I got better at it. I got yes. faster. Uh, but the anger, the feeling that you fit, that, and by when I mean I worked brunch, I cooked, I cleaned, I was a bus but I was a bus girl. Yeah. <laughs> I was a bus girl. I was a mater d. A I was a jerk. bartender. Like I was, I've done every position in brunch. Yeah. Except, and then finally, when I was old enough, I got to actually be a brunch patron. Yes. And, that, and, and that how was, does that feel after knowing honey, how much? It- honey, listen, it is redemption. Really? Like, I hate, go- I can't stand going to brunch now because I feel so bad about it. I, I walk into a restaurant to go to brunch and I'm immediately like, I'm so sorry for being here. Please forgive me. I'll leave if you want. Do you want money out of my wallet? Just personally, not even for the food. I do have a very, very strong compassion for anybody that is working brunch from any position, mm-hmm. like anybody, from the person bringing up ice, from the from the cleaner, from the door person, the coat yeah. check person, whoever it is. I'm like, bless you, child. I like give the them- shoe polisher. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I want to be like the, the patron saint of brunch. Be like, <laughs> like the hugging person that comes in. Be like, hugs, hugs. Like, it's great. But yeah. So, so history? Brunch, yeah, let's talk a little yeah. bit. Do you want, wait, where'd it come from? Tell us. Are you going to ask me? I'm, oh my God, I got to Hold on, let me check the, let me quick Google this. Oh, there it is. Ding, 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 ding. So the word brunch, first of all, is a what we call a portmanteau, right? So portmanteau is a like a podcast. It's like iPod broadcast. So it's between mm. lunch and brunch. 
Uh, anyway, that's a little vocabulary uh, uh, information if you'd like. So lunch and brunch, you know, they say it came from pr- several sources. If you scour the internet, you'll come up with many different sides of the story. Mm-hmm. Some say it was first mentioned in a British article from Hunter's Weekly in the year 1895. Whoa. So like think late Victorian People still had slaves, but didn't call them that in, you know, right in, in Britain, I'm talking about. Uh-huh. They had help. Uh, and in Brooklyn, people had uh, cooks living in their downstairs brownstones. Yeah. This is this time. This in the galley. Talking. So picture yourself back 1895. People were probably wearing suspended cocktails and maybe beginning to think about fancy cocktails. Anyway, uh, he, there was quotes from this article. Some of them read, brunch is cheerful, sociable, inciting. Some, another one said, it makes you satisfied with yourself and your fellow human beings. Oh. I mean, do you think these are Misquote. true? Yeah, and another one, sweeps away the worries and the cobwebs of the week. Well, I would agree with that. If you call yeah. blackout drunk on, like, bottomless mimosa. <laughs> At 11 a.m. I would call that sweeps away all memories. Yeah, agreed. So that's the short history. It became popular in the 1930s in America. Hmm. And then Americans, you know, were like, go bear, go home. Like, Watch it become great again. Brunch, <laughs> brunch is gonna be big. <laughs> One day they'll make a TV show called Portlandia, and they'll make episodes about it. <laughs> so brunch is huge. 1940s, 1950s. Suddenly there might be some sources that say, oh, after a Catholic mass, like you kind of have to go to mass in the mornings. So you kind of miss breakfast, right? And then suddenly it's like one or two, and you're like, well, wait, but I kind of want like I'm still I kind of want a panini. Honey. But I also want um, eggs Benedict. I know, and like somebody in the house wants, in the car wants spaghetti. What should we do? Uh, yeah, and do you guys have bottomless mimosas? Suddenly, some, that started. Yes, that's very dangerous. Well, it's dangerous, and I've been there. I've done all things. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I've worked brunch for twenty three years, I think I had bottomless drinks just to sustain uh, yeah. my. We we both did. Oh. Yes, I mean, of course, I had a Bloody Mary essentially hooked my veins for six years straight. <laughs> we've we've shared. We've blacked out probably during brunch service. Bring but it in here. No, you don't black out because you have so much adrenaline that you still get through it. Yes. If you're a pro, that is. That's true. So that's it. So that's, and here we are today in 2019. Not much has changed since I've been a child. People still wait god-awful amounts of time, get really stressed out, be like, table for four. What do you mean? <laughs> Two hours. And then they sit out in the cold and they, they, they muster through it. Yeah. They do. They wait, and that's why they, when they get in, they're like, I need every single drink available. Water, coffee, orange juice, grapefruit juice, Bloody Mary, mimosa, hot toddy, everything. hot tea. You're like... L- hot water with lemon. Yeah. Right now. It's crazy. Vegetable juice, wheatgrass. Earl Grey, Lady Grey, Green Earl Grey, Green, <laughs> green Lady Earl Grey, decaffeinated Green Earl Lady Grey. What the hell? Oh, well, gosh. my favorite drink uh, about... From brunch is what I'm going to find a way to communicate telling you about right after we take this quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. We have over 35,000 shows in our online library. My name is Jennifer Leutzi, and I'm the host of Tech Bites, where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. You can find Tech Bites wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. 
And we're back. And we're back. Hey. Uh, could I have one more of those uh, unlimited? <laughs> bottomless. Um, two for one, one for two, two for all, three for five. Gay men don't like to say bottomless. It's, oh. just, it's just, we don't say that. We say <laughs> bottom full. Un- yeah, uh, unlimited. Unlimited bottoms. So, yeah. So I'm going to tell you about my favorite brunch drink, which is not the mimosa. Oh, I can't wait to hear I about actually, this. Can I tell you something? I don't like no. mimosas. Oh, yeah. I guess this is can. an I don't like it episode. I don't like mimosas. I don't like brunch. I don't like mimosas because I don't really care for orange juice. Okay. Well, you know, we could have a... It makes me phlegmy. Does it yeah. make you phlegmy? A yeah. little... It makes you a little... Yeah. When you talk and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't like You get it. that weird string in the back of your tongue when you lift it up and then exactly. there's like a white thing that people Ew, can see and then when like you're talking. Pieces of goop stuck in the corners of your mouth. I say, no, thank you. I prefer yes. the most classic <gasps> brunch drink of oh, all wait. time. Oh, I know what you're going to say. A screwdriver. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wait, you said you didn't like orange juice. But I do love to screw. Um, no, my favorite brunch drink ever is, of course, a Bloody Mary. I'm a tomato person. Some may say I'm a tomato person. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I love a Bloody Mary. And I actually, even when I was a kiddo, before I could drink, I would always do like V8 with like tons of lemon in it and hot sauce and lots of pepper. I was preparing myself. Parents and were training their children like, oh, look at how cute that is. That's adorable. Let's get you a little <laughs> Soon straw. she'll be in rehab. <laughs> Soon she'll be working on the line at her own restaurant drinking so many that she'd be blacking out. How cute. Maybe we should get her a little virgin line of cocaine, too, with some powdered <laughs> sugar. <laughs> oh, look, they're smoking oregano. Oh, adorable. <laughs> I used to smoke tea, actually, when yeah, I was a kid. The first Before I ever smoked weed, we like broke up some tea and rolled it in printer paper. I used <laughs> to play pulled on your pants and smoke banana peels. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> we were different in Wisconsin. What can I say? Go ahead. Oh, you, you cheese heads. Oh, my God. So, anyway, Bloody Marys are definitely the quintessential uh, uh, brunch drink of any civilized drink. And there's a lot of uh, different opinion as where the as to where the name comes from. A lot of people mm. obviously say it's from Queen Mary I, who lived from 1516 to 1558. And she was known as Bloody Mary because she was an evil monster mm-hmm. who killed all the Protestants in Good Great Britain. Her. I'm oh, sorry. To- <laughs> this is an edit. I mean, we're gonna edit this out, I mean, that's, right? That's horrible. Goddamn Protestants. No, what that's horrible. what I say. No, she wanted everyone to be Catholic. She killed all the Protestants mostly by burning them. And she had Cla- a- <laughs> Yeah. Just easier oh, that just way. Throw them in the throw more Protestants on the fire. It's yeah. getting cold in here. <laughs> I just find the ashes easier to keep up. Um, so anyway, she had a false pregnancy, which led to her haunting bitches in the mirror and trying to take their children for centuries and centuries to come. That's Is that why people at children play that game? Yes, like, Bloody Mary. It's Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Oh my Correct. gosh. Um, so anyway, there, it's also said that uh, a big star from the 1920s and 30s, very famous woman at the time, Mary Pickford, uh, she ended up being an alcoholic recluse, but she was the most famous actress of all time. And it I said relate. that it could have been her. Girl, I get it. Um, and then also there was a bartender at the bar called Buckets of Blood Club in Chi-Town called, her name was Mary. And then they also said maybe it was the owner of the St. Regis's wife, which is where, at the King Cole Bar, where it was basically invented. What so, about, did you ever see anything? Was there something about Harry's Bar? Well, I'm a, if you would just wait a goddamn minute. So sorry. If you would maybe let me tell my story. <laughs> yeah. Would you like, here, why don't you take my notes and you can tell the story, Brett? Can I ask you a question? In my research, <laughs> when I was doing my doctorate of Bloody Mary's, at the Bloody Mary Institute. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. At sorry. The Tabasco there was actually, Institute. I didn't know any of that. That's well, I'm going to tell shocking. you right now. So, the drink itself, one of the most popular cocktails for a hangover was called the Prairie Oyster. And it was, I mean, listen to this. So, it was made of a cracked egg with different spices, Worcestershire sauce, vinegar, and a smidgen 
a proto-cocktail sauce. And so you were supposed to drink that. And that was the original hangover cure. A little while, there's hmm. no alcohol in it. After that, they had Has a thing called... Has it stood the test of time? I mean, I don't normally see raw eggs with no liquor in them at all being served. It's oh, wait, of, there was no liquor? No. Oh, okay, or, cancel that. Or juice. <laughs> Continue. So then the next cocktail after that, which is also alcohol-free, was called the oyster cocktail. Mm-hmm. And it was tomato juice, Tabasco, lemon, horseradish, black pepper, and seven small oysters served together and served warm. This was uh, published in a London newspaper in 1892, and it provi- it was provided for the benefit of those who may be possessed by suicidal intentions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think it's uh, the latter Bloody Mary drink can also help with. Um, so, in the 1920s, Harry's Bar in Paris was a super glam New York style bar that was made for expats like the likes of Ernest Hemingway, who, P.S., was also a major lover of the Bloody Mary and has his own recipe that he makes in a gallon pitcher. Oh my gosh, we must, uh, it's, you know, we it's must divulge that. It's the same thing, it's just you have to make it in a giant portion because he was obviously a brutal alcoholic. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> I'll get right on that. Yeah. So in the 20s, there was a lot of Russians who were escaping the Russian Revolution in Paris, and they brought vodka with them. Vodka? They brought vodka with them. So Harry's Bar in Paris started getting a lot of vodka from these uh, ex-Russians who were coming along, and they were trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, So their head bartender, Ferdinand Petois, began experimenting with it. He thought it was tasteless, so he started working on a drink. Um, and then he, when he moved to the King Cole bar at the St. Regis a little while later, and I think it was like 1922, he made a drink called the Red Snapper, uh, which now is basically a Buddy Mary's gin. Yeah, we love that. Love it. It's my favorite. But then, That's Life's a Banquet, number one. Number one drink, Evs. Um, <laughs> so and you have to say it like it that. It was Stolichnaya vodka, tomato juice, dash of lemon, two dashes of salt, two dashes black pepper, two dashes cayenne, three dashes Worcestershire. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also made this tincture where he soaked black peppercorns um, in vodka for like three months and put a couple dashes of that in there. But no, no, we are not encountering any horseradish yet. Right? No, not okay. yet. <laughs> You're like, shut your mouth. We'll get to that. No, I mean, I actually don't have in my notes when horseradish came into the mix, but well. literally into the mix. Anyway, it was also said that the 21 Club had claims to inventing it. Another uh, says that George Jessel, who was a Jewish comedian at the time, invented it. Fernand Patois said that he did kind of take it from George Jessel, who was hungover one day, and he was just like, I need something for my hangover. So he mixed just one-to-one tomato juice and vodka. And then he said, yeah, I, I took it from him. Uh, from He said, Jessel had created it, but it was really nothing but vodka and tomato juice when I, when I took it over. I cover the bottom of the shaker with four large dashes of salt, two dashes black pepper, two dashes cayenne pepper, a layer of Worcestershire. Then I add a dash of lemon, some cracked ice, put in two ounces of vodka, and a thick tomato juice. Shake, strain, and pour. We serve 100 to 150 Bloody Mayors a day here at the King Cole Room and the other banquet rooms throughout the hotel. Just, it was a classy drink, right? Very classy. Very classy. Then in the Mad Men era, still extremely classy. Mm-hmm. Waspy, all very high society stock of celery maybe a shrimp or an oyster then move up about to the mid 90s oh, I know where we're go- yeah yeah and all of a sudden motherfuckers start putting big fried chickens on it there's Don't. hamburgers i saw one that had a row of a dozen donuts in it so we have this like gorgeous drink that's inv- invented by the most high class bartender of all time 
Mm-hmm. And then through the ages, I think even I remember my grandparents drinking Bloody Marys in the 1980s. Still classy. Oh, yeah. Along come the 90s with the grunge and the checkers and the clueless and the baby tees. And all of a sudden, baby. <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> Couldn't forget the baby. Ch- what about neck chokers? You left out the neck chokers. We have BLT sandwiches attach a whole pizza. That's I say, ridiculous. give me a break. I like a good fun garnish, but a whole pizza. No, okay, thanks. so I'm going to. That's Just admit Mary. something is that I made a Bloody Mary last week and I made it with steak and eggs. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a joke. It was a joke. That's fun, though. It was a joke. I wouldn't ever do that at a restaurant. You know what I was thinking? I don't thinking? care how Instagrammable it would become. I was thinking if, we, if I still had Brucey, I would just like serve a, a Bloody Mary and just put like a whole slice of mortadella on the top of the glass, just flopped over it and a straw poking through it. That's a good idea. It's almost like having a, it's like a chicken pot pie, but yeah. <laughs> mortadella like a, pot. A mortadella yeah. crust. Yeah. So brunch, I mean, brunch is a difficult one. And I think that, you know what else I thought was interesting? They said that Bloody Marys, and I totally feel this. Tell me if you agree mm-hmm. that Bloody Marys have a, uh, what do you call it? Placebo effect. Like you can drink one that has no alcohol in it and feel drunk. Really? I feel that way. If I even taste Bloody Mary mix, I like instantly feel drunk. Is that why people, every time people fly on a plane, suddenly the the flight attendants are going throughout the cabin offering, and everybody's like, oh, tomato juice, Bloody Mary mix. And mm-hmm. there is something about, I don't know, there is, must be some kind of scientific thing that happens when you're under high pressure in the high yeah. atmosphere. Your body requires a higher saline content in the bread. Yeah. But I think people just want to pretend that they're drunk. I think so, too. Well, before my, my I was in a horrible accident when I was 21 years old, and on my way there, I should have known this really kicked it off wrong. I was about to go on tour with a friend for, like, six weeks. We were going to go all over the world. And on the way out there, we're going to San Francisco, and I took a Xanax and drank three Bloody Marys. And all I remember is waking up in the middle of the flight. My coat was still on, and I just go, Bloody Mary! And I start, like, walking up and down the aisles like a Bloody Mary monster. Like, ma'am, get back to your seat You just want another Bloody Mary? Yeah. I mean, I was, like, blackout. I was blacked out on Xanax and Bloody Marys on the plane. So it turns out nothing has changed. Yeah, (laughs) and and every time I've flown since, they do the same thing. I'm like, hey, let me get a ketchup and vodka. They're like, what? I'm like, Bloody Mary, bitch. Right here. Wow. Yeah. That is intense. Yeah, so anyway, brunch. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) moving forward. (laughs) Moving forward, brunch sucks. Um, people, People like it, and there is a way to enjoy it. When I used to work brunch at Brucey, our good friend George and I used to work the line. I For ages, I worked the line alone and would do like 150 covers a day, which is, I think, part of my aversion to brunch. Um, but then when George and I started working together, we would punch the eggs open instead of cracking them on the side of the pan. We'd punch them with our wow. fist. Wow. <laughs> You're very angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was funny, though. Well... I think this is a really good time to talk about our favorite brunch items. What okay. do you think? Our top three favorite brunch items? Yeah. I want to talk a little bit later about what to, because I love throwing brunch parties. Yeah. I think brunch parties are, and we shockingly threw a brunch party. We did. Very recently. Yeah. Actually, Zara did most of the work, but well, it all came together, didn't it? It did. It was lovely. It takes two. Uh And okay, so three, what are your favorite three things we're doing this to like what you want to make, right? Top three. I I don't know. What do you think? What you want to make or what you want to eat? Mm, since we do both, let's just say what you want to make because okay. we're going to be eating it. Sure. One of us is. So <laughs> my top three things that I want to make. Let's mm, see. Yes. For brunch. Hmm. Well, I guess number Off three is Ooh, a lovely spread of bagels and locks. Oh. All lock. kinds of schmears oh. and pickles and bialis, bagels. All kinds of that stuff. I love that. It's beautiful. It looks really nice. Typically, I'll do that on like a special occasion. Maybe like, 
you know, President's Day or mm-hmm. Secretary's Day, something like that, uh, or Christmas. Um, number two, I really like making a delicious uh pan of cinnamon rolls it was something that oh, my dad used to right. make yep, yep, and yep, i yep, used yep. to make them at brucey i'm not a baker really i don't really mess with yeasted dough so much but i will for that's this. like something that you've practiced and yes it's kind of cinnamon rolls are great i make them with lots of delicious nutty sugar like i really make them to the end i hate when you get a cinnamon roll and it's like dry and barely it's like what's the point you know what i mean People, if you're going to make a cinnamon roll out there, make it ooey gooey. You know what I thought? Good God. Whenever I do stuff like that, when I'm making a recipe, then I'm like, what would happen if you doubled the butter and doubled the sugar? And the answer is actually, sometimes it's okay. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not promoting this on like every recipe. But if you add a little bit of extra this and a little bit of extra that and more sauce, like, hey, do you think that's enough brown sugar and butter that I put on? The answer is no, it's not. Probably not. I say just go for it, you know, especially if you're going to make brunch, which is disgusting anyway and bad for you. Um, And my number one thing (laughs) is my (laughs) my grandparents, my grandfather and my dad. And also, uh, I got to say, my dad is dead, but this would have been his 71st birthday. So this one's for you. Today? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Happy birthday up there and wherever the hell you are. Um, In brunch then. In in Brunchville. My dad loved brunch. He made delicious food. Oh, I'm sure. It was fabulous. So he, in my family, everyone made pizza rustica and it was typically always for Easter or Christmas, but my Mm -hmm. dad would make it anytime we'd have a brunch thing and pizza rustica for anyone who doesn't know is like layered dough. Basically, you could use like pizza dough or any kind of, you know, springy bread dough and you layer it with a mixture of ricotta that has chopped up uh, salami in it. Pecorino cheese and oh then layers of provolone and ham or ham. prosciutto, and then you layer it like a lasagna, but with bread in between instead of pasta. And, and you then serve you it. bake it. Yeah, you bake it. You can serve it. I like it. Do you bake it in a cold. lasagna pan? Yeah. Can you break it in a round? I yeah, mean, you I can bake you it in anything. Want. Yeah. What's what's traditional? A uh, square or round, but definitely. My grandpa used to make them uh, round. My dad always made them square. And my uncles, what? Stephen Blackie, my uncle Blackie made it for Thanksgiving this year. It was so nice. Don't hate that I have an Uncle Blackie. It has nothing to do with race. He is, just has black hair. What, um, how, how thick are the layers? We're all wondering. Um, it's basically <laughs> like a lasagna. Okay. But you so can thin. make it as thick or thin as you want. We like it thick, of course. Well, we like it thin. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> Scots? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so those are my Pizza top Rostica. three. Wow. What are your top three? That's some very, very, sorry, it's a little twist, a little, little unique, interesting thing. Okay, top three. I just thought about it. Uh, my number... Okay, no, starting with number three, mm. you can't have brunch without good potatoes. And oh, by potatoes, I mean I love hash browns. Yeah. And there's all... Like, do people like breakfast potatoes? Do you want the round, like, slices of round skillet potatoes? Or do you want... I like a wedge hash brown, like a pom roasty. Mm-hmm. And how thick do I like it? Do I like to grate my potatoes? No, I like to actually do it on that special mandolin. Mm. And it grates them and it grates them. Or I guess it's like a very fine julienne. Yes. So I do that. And I make like a big round in a cast iron. So you can have wedges of Yum. hash brown. I eternally like that McDonald's kind of hash brown patty texture. Yes, with like the soft inside of the very crunchy. Exactly. But I would like it with real potatoes mm. instead of just chemicals. So that's a really, really kind of good thing that gets that crunch and that thing. Hella crunchy. Hella crunch. You do that. Dog fat? Yeah, yeah, I have made it with dog fat. I just did that a couple months ago. Yeah, of course fat. you did. Yeah, yeah. Brett and Duck. I know everybody's Scott. like, what's that little thing that you're putting? I was like, so my vegetarian uh, bean dish is carrot, celery, onion, little fennel, like, oh, and duck fat. 
And yeah. Like, well, that's not vegetarian. I'm like, well, yeah, it's just the fat. It's just the fat it's people. Just the fat. That's exactly how I think too. No, I would never do that to you, Maya. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, second thing, uh, you can't. To me, waffles are just. Uh, you can't have brunch without waffles. Right. I haven't eaten a waffle. I haven't eaten a waffle in over 30 years. Well, I thought about before this podcast was uh, airing today, I was like, do I really want to give up my secret? And then I, re- I Googled my secret, and it turns out it wasn't a secret at all that every oh. major publication, <laughs> like every, like the New York Times, <laughs> Epicurious. Funny. And I was like, oh, okay, so Breton's. Anyway, but I do like to remind people that my favorite waffle recipe of all times is in, uh, there's a fabulous cookbook. And I'm actually, one day we'll do a complete separate episode on this woman, but it's called The Breakfast Book by Marion Cunningham. Nice. uh, Who also is known for dealing with the Fanny Farmer cookbook remake in the 70s. She has a very interesting story. I don't want to get into her yet, but she has this cookbook, and you can get this on eBay or Amazon News. I think they still make it. The Breakfast Book, and she has a recipe for... Uh, overnight yeast raised waffles. Oh, cool. So it's the easiest recipe. You basically like take some yeast, put some milk, eggs, flour. You kind of give it a quick stir, right? People like easy things. You do it the night before, yeah. you know, while the hubby's watching Netflix again. <laughs> and you put in like... AKA having a secret online relationship with like a Russian bot. Exactly. But that's okay. It's okay. It's just, <laughs> it's on the internet, so it doesn't count. It's okay. Well, while he's doing that and you can't deal with like, or perhaps you're the husband and... <laughs> Uh, okay, whatever. I'm getting it. Well, well, somebody's in the bathtub. You mix up this <laughs> yeast batter and you let it sit overnight, and that's it. And then when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to do it. You beat some egg whites really yeah. quickly, as we all, you know, first thing you do when you get up. Of course. While the coffee's brewing, whip the egg whites, pull out the KitchenAid, and then there you go. You mix it into the batter, and it forms the lightest, most flavorful waffle. A waffle iron is also a really great tool to have. So that recipe will be posted on uh, hand-typed uh, recipe cards if you email us at lifesabanquetshow at gmail.com. Exactly. I will hand-type those for you. What's your number one brunch food? And my number one, here we are, Eggs Benedict. Oh! Because who doesn't love a hollandaise sauce? Oh, I mean, yeah, a hollandaise sauce is the only thing other than a bloody so, egg. So, okay. For Get it. It's, first of all, it's super easy. Hollandaise sauce you can make in a blender. You melt some butter. It's like making mayonnaise. Yeah. Think of it like that. People freak out like, oh, you have to like temper it. You don't have to temper it. It just has to be warm, and you have to put in the butter slowly with the egg mixture. Google Julia Child blender hollandaise. You'll get exactly what you want. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's my number one. I love Holland. I love hollandaise sauce, and I love a poached egg. Poached egg, right? Yeah. So what are you said? You had some tips for our chef recommends. Brrr, chef recommends. What are your tips oh. for a perfect brunch party? All right, everybody. You guessed it, right? Uh, so people are coming over. Everybody's stressed out. People are, you know, people want lots of different things. Mm-hmm. So I think the best thing, you know, I, I, I kind of left out quiche as one of my top three because uh, to me, that's an obvious. Yes, quiche. Duh. Like, you know, real men do eat quiche, despite what that 1984 cookbook said. All kinds said. of people eat quiche. Yeah. Whoever wrote that fucking book. That men, guy. women, You other know that guy, like, went to, like, he probably worked in, like, a gay conversion camp. And now yeah. he's, like, <laughs> now he owns a bed and breakfast in freaking Maine. And, like, it's covered in, like, rainbow flags. Like, uh, I just couldn't keep it anymore. I love quiche. I love quiche. I, <laughs> I love it. He had, like, it. his, like, come to quiche moment. He's like, oh. So, okay. So throwing a bun- brunch party. First of all, do everything the day before. Yeah. Except, right, and because you don't want to be fussing around in the morning. It's it's hard enough as is, again, as much as you can prep the day before, but get your juices, get your coffee, make sure mm-hmm. you have all, you know, just go write, write a list. 
go go write a list the day before be like hey what do i want when i go to brunch and then copy that it's actually quite simple but if you have a large crowd what i love to do Mm -hmm. instead of maybe making a quiche or something making a giant baked egg dish Mm, right like a big frittata yeah it's like i picture it's like classic like midwest everybody comes over like the egg hot dish yeah and you know what it's a really good idea well also because it doesn't actually have to be hot it can be room temperature it can be room temperature you definitely cannot be flipping omelets for everyone in your ding dong no 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 and that's the thing like and if you make a giant egg dish, yeah. it can be crustless. You could get puff pastry from the frozen section. You could yeah. make your own crust. Double crust. You could put layers of tortilla down. You could mm-hmm. put, you could flatten bread. You could put waffles on the bottom. Like <laughs> Oh my god. There's this all, is getting crust. Pizza crust. Yes. Like what frozen I'm saying pizza is like, crust. Do whatever you want on the bottom. Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> that's what we that's what we always say here on Life's so, but yeah, do that and then put the eggs in, you know, cheese and whatever. And again, that's something that you can bring to your friend's house or For have sure. whatever. You can pop it in the oven, pull it out hot, make people burn the roof of their mouths. <laughs> For sure. And do, I think like another fun thing to do at a brunch party is DIY it. Which it sounds so kind of cheesy. I'm, I'm sorry even to say that, but for real, there's almost no other way to say it. You know, a make your own Bloody Mary bar, a breakfast nachos People thing. love it's Bloody fun. Mary bars. Yeah, it's fun. You know. How easy is that? You get out like five different kinds of pickles. Yeah. Skewers of steak and eggs. Exactly. <laughs> Skewer a bunch of falafels whole. Get a, get a damn stock of salt, you know, a bunch of celery, cut them up. And maybe make a rimming station. Yeah. <laughs> As the, gay men love rimming stations. You know you simpl- what? Everyone likes a rimming station. Yeah, though. you basically just take some salt and some spices, celery seed, whatever you want, celery salt. Uh-huh. And then you put it on the rim. Yeah, you put it on the rim. And then dip your it glass off. in some lemon juice, dip it in the rim, and there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think a DIY thing is good. Like you could have a big pile of different bagels and then all your schmears and spreads and whatever the hell's. Or- Zara makes a very, I've had your bagel spread. Oh, Holy canola. Well, holy, holy oh, scallion cream cheese, Batman. <laughs> Do you have a favorite place to get brunch in New York City or otherwise? I know. I knew this question was happening. I'm just curious. This is just uh, pure you know, I Curiosity. don't because I get very, I say that I like brunch and then I yeah. get very anxious. Mm-hmm. But I think if I were going to not care and take a bunch of Xanax and be like, you can go wherever you want for brunch. Yeah. And have a, like a classic. I would probably say mm, Baltazar. Oh, that's class. You're pure class. Yeah. That's very high end. It's very upper crust of you. But I do love going to Gramercy Tavern and sitting at the bar. Also very upper crust. And they'll have an egg dish. It's not like a brunch restaurant, but right. they'll have something. Yeah. I like, what I think you? for brunch, always and forever, it will always be diner. Um, I just love, through the years, I've always loved going to brunch there. And then when I had my own restaurant, I was exhausted. And we used to be closed Sunday and Monday. And we'd be closed on Sunday. I'd be so tired and so starving from working like 80, 90 hours during the week. Uh, and I would get off, and I would, I would be Sunday morning. I'd pull myself out of bed, and I'd go shove a cheeseburger from there into my face. and A, pound, che- a like, brunch cheeseburger. Yeah, and pound, like, two Bloody Marys and see, like, a bunch of really friendly faces and people that I loved that, like, worked there. And they always have some kind of delicious smoked fish thing. So that's my favorite. But now I'm not a – I really don't like to eat brunch. And you know what's funny? I used to always love Bloody Marys so much. And then mm-hmm. after my last breakup with my last boyfriend – and this is not because I'm heartbroken. It's just we always used to go to brunch and get Bloody Marys together. Mm-hmm. And when we broke up, I've I've in – a year, oh, a year. I've drank one Bloody Mary since, and it's not because oh, I'm so sad. I can't bring myself to do it again. I just don't want it anymore. My body like rejects it. 
I went through a Bloody Mary phase where I hated it for years. And it yeah. was because I was, I used to bartend brunch and I worked at a restaurant called Lupa yeah. for many years. And I used to bartend Saturday. It was crazy because they didn't call it brunch, but they called it lunch, you know, like yeah. Saturday and Sunday lunch. But yeah, it was yeah. brunch for all practical purposes. And every Bloody Mary that we made had to be, uh, everything had to be like hand squeezed per oh my Bloody God. Mary. So what every, in the name? like every Bloody had a half a lemon, half a lime, quarter of that this. That doesn't make sense. That's ridiculous. It was exhausting. It was the most. It was the craziest thing I've ever done in they my do life. They do that at Keens too. They make I them lost, to order. I lost fourteen years of my life. Bloody Mary mix is better though when it sits. Yeah, I'm the, sorry. It's better when it sits. Give me a break. That is the. That's the the truth of it. Yeah. Now I don't go to brunch. I just go to like on the weekends when I have some time to eat lunch during the day. I like to go to Bedwin Tent, and I like to get a lentil soup and maybe a hummus hmm. and their fresh baked pita and that's like the mo- and a mint tea delicious in the middle of the day here's my thing with brunch you've, you've evolved you've evolved i feel if i eat brunch not i mean and i'm not i'm not someone who like stuffs myself especially not in the middle of the day but i feel like over salted mm-hmm. because i have to put ketchup too much on sugar, whatever i eat too much salt and i have or i have to have a bloody mary in either case i'm like oh i feel so thirsty and you're, brine, you're brining yourself yes i feel brined that's why ki- that's why the kids are always screaming so by sunday night it's like saturday night yeah you're like, oh, shut and up. i don't like the kind Chill of little johnny everyone's you. so demanding i'm sorry johnny what? johnny shut your mouth sorry <laughs> that's what you say to the kids yeah so Buzz, it's just because he had too many pancakes it's exactly. not like he's not really or she's you know he's not really that bad of a kid he might grow up okay anyway well this, all in this all, this episode has depressed me. <laughs> well, all in all, I decided <laughs> I that I love brunch again. <laughs> I hate it still. I went and had a Bloody Mary at Olea in Brooklyn, which is a nice, you know, yeah. if you're in New York City or if you're in Brooklyn, go to Olea. It's That's on a very popular place. Very for popular brunch spot, and it's really good. Yeah. Get the green eggs and lamb. Yes, how those creative are delicious. is that? That's very good. Decent Bloody Mary. Also, Russ and Daughters, good for brunch. Just remember to be conscious of your people that are working the brunch because it's a very stressful uh, shift to work. Or actually, if you're in somebody's house, it's also hard to throw a brunch party mm-hmm. and just be sensitive uh, and try, you know, try yeah. to control your coffee urge. Like, well, I asked for half and half and this is a whole milk and I'm angry now. It's like, yeah, you know, just remember that we're all kind of trying to get in, <laughs> get through the morning. Yeah. And trying uh, to wash those cobwebs away. Just order what they have <laughs> on the menu. Okay. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean just because it's early in the morning doesn't mean you should just all of a sudden start making your own thing up from out of nowhere just because it's brunch and that's for some reason what you think you should do. Just Zara's, you Zara's, see the menu. Zara's triggered. Zara's triggered. <laughs> you see the menu, pick something they have on there, and then get that because that's what you're supposed to do at a restaurant. Anyway, guys, this has been a very, very... I have to go to therapy now. She's going to go to therapy. Emergency I'm going to go sash. make some of my waffles and have a Bloody Mary and relax. <laughs> Take a load off. I'm pulling my hair out. Guys, we love you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for listening. Any questions, again, email us at lifesabanquetshow at gmail.com and tune in every Tuesday and listen to some of the other fabulous shows on Heritage Radio Network. Yes, please do. All the shows are great. All the hosts are awesome. Um, Asta la freaking pasta. That's right. Mwah! Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, 
subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.